Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Western Focus podcast on the No Rival Network. I'm Cobalt or Blue, and with me is the usual Steven Meister himself. How you doing today? Doing pretty good. LEC was kind of stealing the show again this week, but again, that's the format changes. A lot of surprises going on with Europe now going into the best of three stage. That'll be a ton of fun to follow, much more than the LCS, which is seemingly starting to kind of recover to where we expected these teams to be for the most part. Takes a bit of time to ramp up, but still a good time to watch. But anyway, for our sixth episode today, we'll be covering week two of the LCS and week three of the LEC, where the winter regular season has already come to an end, kind of as Steve has alluded to. But before we get into it, strongly recommend that if you haven't already, go back and listen to episodes one and three for our LEC preseason expectations and power rankings. That'll kind of put into context our discussion for today. But without further ado, I feel like we've got to start with our eulogies to the two fallen squads here this split. So in 10th, we've got the budget super team turned super meme XL. And then in 9th, we have the disgraced Titans fanatic who not only missed playoffs for the first time in their decade plus history, but did it in the first year where you needed to just make top 8, not even top 6. Like, I mean, Steve, I don't think anybody expected this. What the hell happened? No, yeah, I mean... I'm I'm much more disappointed in Fnatic than in XL, and I think that might come as a little bit of a surprise considering we both had XL ranked, I think, second in the preseason power rankings that we had. Yeah. Like, Fnatic was just so much harder for me to watch because, like, I, I, I wanted to have... There were some bragging rights on the line, obviously, between you and me. It, it was just sad watching them, them fall as hard as they did for my personal reasons, I guess. And yeah, XL was obviously the most disappointing team. Now, people, again, depending on who you were listening to, some like us had them really high. Some other people were kind of more tame on them, but they were still regarded to be a pretty solid team, a team that should definitely be in the fight for top four. The quickest way to sum up their season is that they were just bad. Like, there's really no other way of putting it. They they finished one and eight, and again, should have might be a hard way to put it but they could have easily been 0-9 if they didn't sneak out that game against BDS who ended up being one of the surprise teams looking really well like literally just everyone underperformed there's not a lot of analysis that I feel I feel like I can provide since I I missed kind of the last week of games week three I watched some highlights of it and the best thing I got from the notes I had then and what I watched in the first two weeks basically everyone was unimpressive at multiple points throughout the games in multitudes of different ways. Xersei had a really slow start against G2 and then he was just kind of eh VTO was bad basically the whole uh, three weeks until maybe the last game. Patrick I saw ended up he ended up having like a really high damage per minute I think like I think he topped the league in damage per minute but it just never felt like he was able to have a lot of impact with the rest of the team being as far behind as they always were and they had some rough lane phases so it was really just everyone everyone was doing bad individually and when you're doing bad individually it's not going to lead to good team play and there just wasn't a lot of opportunities for them to to really find any advantages and really disappointing overall for everyone uh, associated with the team and i'm sure the fans are really disappointed as well and there's going to definitely have to be some changes there going into spring there's no way they can run back that same five i'd expect probably at least two changes ideally but it's going to be harder than normal because this isn't this isn't just the normal off season you know like in spring split this is this weird kind of winter split into spring split I'd assume the only real changes that can be made are like maybe within the teams, like if they trade 
players from like teams or there are some free agents you know like upset or i don't know like Whippo's not a free agent he's a team like with nemesis but i doubt nemesis is gonna come back you know so that like it, it, it would take something like like that to happen it's not like there's gonna be a huge frenzy uh, so they got to have a, a lot of improvement uh, regardless of if they make big changes or not to the team yeah i mean it's it's interesting to hear your perspective because i'm kind of to be completely honest swinging a little bit in the opposite direction like i really sat down to kind of think about this and put my thoughts into words as best as possible and realistically speaking excel could potentially run it back but let me let me kind of run it through so Starting off in the top lane, Odo Omne, I think over the course of the three weeks, in terms of a consistent standpoint, he was probably the person that looked the most stable to me. Like he's always been praised in even in the past as like a weak side king. And apart from specifically his matchup against Adam, the BDS game, I don't think I remember him ever actually losing lane phase. But then, like, yeah, there there was even a game where he came out something like 3-0, 2-0, maybe 4-0 on a Renekton pick. Unfortunately for him, he just wasn't able to carry that game all by himself since in the first big fight they had around Harold that game, he sort of just got chain CC'd right from the start and then his champ, obviously, Renekton, falls off hard later on. But I don't know. To me, he seemed decent enough above the rest of the team anyway. But then, yeah, going into the jungle, Xerxes... I don't remember which particular games they were, but I remember at least two different games where Excel was ahead at about the mid game, and then Xerxes just gave up, gave up really stupid barons to the enemy, and then they snowballed that really fast and won the game. I wasn't really high on him since preseason, and I think Excel really should have kept Marcoon or assessed better what their potential options were because this guy just isn't it to me but with Marcoon, yeah like especially he had a slow start with sk2 the first couple of games looked really rough for him but obviously with the way sk's been going he turned it around really really quickly ever since that third game in week one and on so and i i agree with you when we were talking about that at the start of the podcast too in the very first episodes like yeah like when i was watching excel's games last year Marcoon and patrick were the two guys that i was watching it's like yeah like you know if they want to keep some guys around I would have really have loved to have seen them keep Marcoon around in addition to Patrick. And I was disappointed to see that Patrick didn't really get to, to play as good. But again, like, you know, one one guy as a result of the team being so bad, it's kind of harsh, but it would have been nice to see Marcoon stick around. Yeah, and then I fully, ag- I fully agree, first of all, but to kind of bounce off of that even, like looking at the bot lane, Patrick and Targamus, that pairing, I don't think individually either of them were really that bad, but putting the two of them together, it felt like they seemed sort of like i don't know how to put it but like lost i guess a lot of the time we're like yeah from his time in g2 i know that targamus specifically seemed to be the sort of quiet one at least from listening to comms but the team very often mentioned that he talked a lot outside of the game and was a guy that had a lot of creative ideas and thoughts on how to play the game so he was valuable in that sense and then Patrick was sort of a similar impression to me where he didn't necessarily talk super much in the game and may not have been super demanding for resources or attention, but was pretty good at being a sort of foundation of consistency and had a bit of conviction on XL last year. So yeah, just stylistically speaking, I think that the two of them paired together sort of looked like they were worse than the sum of the parts, which is a bit unfortunate. Kind of coming back, wrapping up with the mid lane VTO, this was the guy that I was coming into the season expecting to show up with that misfits form where he was that spring mvp was that hyper carry that 
ramped up really fast and then started completely 1v9ing the game in most of the games he was in. Coming into the split, it felt like, especially week one, he was sort of just invisible. And then by the time week two rolled around, he started like genuinely griefing the game. Hearing from interviews, he just seemed like showed like he was losing confidence and wasn't really the kind of player he was in the past. But then looking in the last, very last game Excel played, when they had already been eliminated against Vitality, I think he finally showed up for the first time this split and looked like the player that earned my respect, where he really popped off on that rise pick. He was almost carrying them to victory. They won a couple of huge team fights, but unfortunately near the end he got picked off and then Vitality could just end the game. So unfortunate circumstances this is kind of the vibe I got from this team where I think that genuinely they could run it back if they, they're given a bit more time to scrim and under lower pressure build up that rapport or build up that synergy I think they could really bring it back and at least contest for the middle and like yeah maybe you could swap out the Xerxes but I don't know to me this team could stick together yeah and VTO did have some uh some posts on Twitter where he was talking about his lack of confidence and it was really hard for him throughout the the split and so that was definitely weighing a factor on him and yeah when when the team's not meshing together and individual performances just aren't quite you know is what you're expecting even if not all of them are horrible you know it's just when when, when you're one and eight you know it's hard to to feel like yourself and, and feel comfortable with what you're trying to do and you want to maybe either you'll probably either fall into like a shell of yourself and just play you know like really safe and not want to be the guy to make a mistake and lose another game or you'll try and be over aggressive and then you know by being over aggressive you're probably putting yourself in bad spots so there's not a lot of good that can come from that if you're if you're losing your confidence and you're, you're just kind of shaken as a result of the the losses stacking up so i, I will say that of the two teams between excel and fanatic who could keep more of their roster together i i will say i do agree that it would be excel just because fanatics had this you know relative core of players with wonder Razork, and humanoid for a little bit now and that's probably the team that you would want to see shake things up more but i i just think even if it, it was just as simple as playing more games together and just getting more synergy and hopefully individual performances rebound and they can get on the same page uh, more so in games I, I still don't think that you can allow that time considering the fact that you finished 10th like whether that's the organization or the players will be like that like so some one of those sides is going to be demanding change i think again it come it kind of just comes down to how much can you get you know are you going to bring up abadaga like we mentioned in last episode are you going to try and sign one of the free agents that are available that we talked about from the team mcdonald's you know in the very first episode do 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 you really think that you know it can just work out with scrims and and, and, and extra time i don't think it's going to be that simple for them but we'll have to wait and see because there's a lot of time that they'll have to to think about that until the spring split starts yeah like if if nothing else i think that this team should be better than 10th at the very least they should be better than 10th well, yeah, it seems like they should have been better than 10th right now. But like I said, ba barely snuck out the game against BDS. Barely snuck out that game. So re really depressing for them. And then that'll get into Fnatic now. And like I said before, Fnatic won't hurt me a lot. I think I put them... I, I always forget if I put them 4th or 5th. Not a big deal. I think I put them 4th uh, in the preseason power rankings. 
holding out hope that you know like like we know what we've seen out of a lot of these players before and not, and not a lot of it's like too far removed like he went on mad lions just not too long ago was great you know wonder was was great on g2 i forget if he went to fanatic right after g2 or not but wonder's always been you know it's like a solid top lane he's a guy that you're you're fine having around for the most part you know reckless had his struggles with k corp and then razork's pretty decent enough you would you would think and then Rux was like the one unknown quantity coming in, but you saw a little bit of him in play-ins, and it's not like he was bad. You know, he wasn't playing against LEC teams all the time, but he wasn't bad. So just the fact that, again, like, they, they won two games, that that was really surprising to me, too. And the biggest thing that I had with Fnatic was, like, it was kind of similar to XL. It was just, like, it seemed like it was a different reason every single time that they they lost a fight or they lost a pick and then they ended up losing the game like whether it was like Razork going in too deep and going over aggressive on ganks or chase downs after fights that were winning and then turned to losing because they chased too hard or humanoid like constantly misplaying i remember multiple misplays i think of him on his ear there was one in the recent week here i forget which game it was but he like it looked like he was trying to go in for a shuffle but i don't know if he didn't get the cue off and it didn't continue or whatever happened but he just ended up dashing in on the azir and just kind of just got stuck there and then he just walked had to walk back but he got caught and he died and then someone else died along with him and i remember a couple other plays throughout the season where it's just like man like he's just not pressing his buttons right or like he's getting too ahead of himself and his brain's processing faster than what his hands can do or you know if it's not that then it's like reckless not being in fights or getting zoned out from fights from you know either whatever you want to call it bad play by him bad positioning by him or good play by the opponents to zone him out and then if it wasn't reckless or razork or humanoid dying and misplaying then rex wasn't always able to find the consistent engages like he had some good picks i remember like some of the ash games I think there was one Ash game he did pretty well in, but then some of the other ones he was in, like he missed a lot of arrows and he wasn't really relevant. And he just had too many of those kind of irrelevant performances, no pun intended. He just couldn't really have that kind of impact that he probably would have had on some of the more engaged champions where it seems like he's a little bit more comfortable in. But there are also plenty of performances on those engaged champs where he like engages on the tank and then it's like they can't kill the tank because they're a little bit behind already and then they get they get blown out in the team fight. So it, it seemed like they had some moments where like, okay, like this is like just not good. There's misplays, there's going too deep. And then there's plays that actually look kind of solid at the start, but then they still get turned around on them. It seemed like a lot of stuff just worked against Fnatic. And some of it was like, we want to call it luck or just better play and positioning by the opponents in response to what Fnatic were doing. You know, you're not going to go two and eight by just getting unlucky, right? And that's so many mistakes and just so much over forcing by some of those players and misplays by humanoid especially and it was just really sad to to watch them go out the way that they did reckless put out an apology video on twitter you know and it was just sad to to watch for me because I, I i liked Fnatic getting into league i cut my hate for them kind of happened when they beat c9 in the semifinals at worlds whatever year that was but it's like i still like have some like respect for those players now it's a lot of different players so it was sad to see them fall the, the way that they did this split, especially for not making playoffs for the first time. And Yeah, I mean, I think you did a really good job of covering it, so I won't go quite as in-depth. But yeah, like that, that one play that you mentioned for Humanoid, I, I know exactly the one you're talking about where this was against BDS. He sort of dashed in on his ear into four members of BDS randomly, it looked like. But looking back on it, I think 
he was sort of expecting to have his ultimate but then realized he didn't have the well, no, that, that that was a different play but that that was one i was thinking of yeah there was a play like that where like he just he just completely inked in way too early and it was exactly you're exactly right yeah that's interesting i didn't realize it happened more than once but yeah that that one that i was bringing up like bds just killed him instantly and took of the freest soul of their life afterwards so really in play for me and then similar vein razork i think this is the guy that reddit at least they want his head on on a stick like he he seemed to be the most visible most common inter where he'd pick a champ like vi and just ult in with no follow-up die and then the fight's already lost so yeah the two of them were sort of the inters i think wonder was the guy that you could sort of rely on a little bit but because of the way the team was working out he was forced to not play weak side as much as he's known for and like his, the last game he picked Camille, which like the draft already was doomed by that point. So what are you going to do from his spot? And then where I'm going to go the hardest is the bot lane. Like, where do I even start here? Reckless to me, the few times that I, that I watched Fnatic games with some of the other people at NRE, like I started tracking it and it was amazing to me how consistent Reckless was in never doing anything remarkable in lane. In fights in the mid and late game, Numerous times, he was that solo queue teammate who was randomly in a side lane farming while the team was trying to set up for an objective. Or sometimes mid-fight, he would literally walk away and start hitting minions while his team was dying. Or even in games where he was up in kills and assists and CS and had no deaths, he was still somehow at least 1k gold behind his ADC counterpart. Like, to me, this guy was absolutely the weakest performing member of the team. Looking at the whole league, I think he might even just be straight up the worst AD carry in the, the whole LEC this year. And then with with how abysmal he was playing, I can't. E I feel like I can't even assess Rux fairly because when this is your partner, he, he just wasn't performing at all. How do you perform? To me, for this whole roster, I think they absolutely have to blow it up. It's in desperate need of it. Maybe keep Wonder, get rid of everybody else. After this performance, I can only quadruple down on what I've been saying. Upset was the only thing keeping the Fnatic ship from sinking last year. And then they replaced their hyper carry with a weak side bot when they already have a weak side top. Like, I don't know. And then looking at what their options are, since this is the end of the winter split, they won't have a lot of free agent options. So the only thing I could really suggest is go to your like what's effectively your academy team, Fnatic TQ, and promote Bean and Advian in the bot lane because Bean has shown at Worlds that he's at least serviceable. I think he'll be an upgrade over Reckless. And then Advian, who was brought up with Markoon in XL last year. Yes, XL ranked up by bringing in Mickey, but I think Advian was sort of done dirty being let go that suddenly. And he, he really deserves to be back in the LEC. So bring in Advian, bring in Markoon. If not, they're going to do no better than 8th in the spring and it's just going to be a continuation of this sad mess of a team. Yeah, I think that I, I would like to see Bean coming up to, I was actually going to mention that, I was going to shout out uh, Vigar V2, because I saw him talking about that on Twitter a lot, where he was saying, like, you know, like, Reckless just isn't cutting it, and the champs that he plays aren't suitable for what Rux likes to do with the engaged champs, so maybe bring up Bean. And I think that would be a, a fun option to see, because they obviously played together uh, last year in the in the ERL so that would be fun to see. I'd like to see Ruck stay on. I think that 
you know, yeah, you could run the synergy with Bean and Adrian, but I'm sure Bean and Rux could get along together fine. They they did last year, so I'd say give Rux a second shot if if Reckless really was as bad as we're all saying that we think he is or was. I think that's fine because Rux did have some rough games, like I said, whether it was Reckless's fault or not. So I think I think bringing in Beans finally, like you're not going to bring back Upset probably, like he's not going to want to go back there. Nemesis ain't going back there. You're probably not going to buy out Blippo again. You know, like a, a lot of the options that are available are are, are either free agents that aren't going to want to come back or are tied up and are not going to want to come back. The only one that I'll, I'll say that maybe could be like a fun little surprise is like, and like for both teams, I guess, maybe if you really want to get rid of Patrick is buy out Unforgiven from 100 Thieves and bring him back to Europe because Double Up seems to be pretty fine. I don't know if 100 Thieves is just intent on keeping Unforgiven in Academy or if an EU team, you know, like Fnatic or Exile would be willing to try to bring him back and buy him out. But I think that could be a fun little surprise if they wanted to go down that route. So yeah, I think that's like the big kind of roster changes that could happen with those guys. And then it's like, yeah, maybe Abadage for VTO on XL. I think Treats could be an interesting option, but again, does he want to come back and play? And I think he's doing like some some content stuff, so does he want to come back? Yeah. Not not a ton of options, again, just because of this kind of weird winter split. There's not really an official off-season across the world. It's just in, in Europe. And then I found the the humanoid clip, by the way. So you're going to hear my mouse click here for, for the podcast. I'm sorry to, to play it. But humanoid, it was against the SK game. And he's playing Azir, they're in a fight mid lane, and he dashes in on the Azir with the E, but like the Q didn't happen. So like he just stood there with the E and then the Q cast it after the dash already happened. So he didn't actually get the shuffle. He ended up living, but in the ensuing fight, Razork and Rux died. So they got two deaths off of that misplay from Humanoid, even though he lived, and then SK gets to go straight into the third dragon for free off of that as well. The gold lead isn't too bad at that point. It's still only like a 2,000 gold lead from the start of that play to the end of that play because it's just a couple kills, but... Like, you know, that, that, that's the stuff that I'm talking about, you know, it's like, like little, little misplays like that. And then I'm literally just having the highlights running. The next highlight is him getting picked Millen under his tower and he dashes like away from his team and then just tries to ult them back SK under tower and it does absolutely nothing. Like just not sound decisions from Humanoid. And then the misplays on top of it, like, like I said, just th that was back to back plays in that game. So rough stuff from, from him too, but I don't really think there's a better option than him right now because, uh. There's just, you know, again, you're not going to get Nemesis out of content creation. I don't really think there's anyone else worth being up. You just kind of got to hope he bounces back because he should be their probably best player on the team. You know, it's just no one on Fnatic was looking like a great player. Like, like I said, same thing with XL when you're when you're struggling that hard. So That was our two eulogies for the two fallen teams. Rest in peace to both Fnatic. Rest in peace to Excel. You will be missed, or perhaps not missed, depending on who you ask. Haha, <laughs> fanatics out. <laughs> but in the interest of time, let's very quickly run through a rapid fire of our predictions for the best of threes coming up this weekend, and then we'll jump right into the LCS. So, starting in Group A, Steve, go for it. Go for it. Yep, I think the first series is going to be pretty self-explanatory. Vitality versus Heretics. I got Vitality probably in a 2-0. SK versus Koi could be interesting. Koi, you know, they did find their wins to get in, but I got SK going. Maybe it goes to three, but SK will win. And then Vitality versus SK. I think, again, maybe has some potential to be interesting with how SK has been looking. One of the big surprises, but I got Vitality winning. Pretty much same story for me. Vitality wins 2-0 against Heretics. Heretics need more time to ramp up, basically. I hope they'll do better in spring. And then SK versus Koi, that should be a close one. So 2-1 SK favored. 
And then as well, I'm going to put Vitality winning 2-1 against SK because I think SK is on the same page. They should take one game. And then Group B. Kudos to Astralis for making it here. I'm glad they pulled off the upset. But unfortunately, they're up against Mad Lions, who look so much better than them. So that's going to be a 2-0 in Mad Lions' favor. And then G2 versus BDS. I'm going to give that one to G2 just because from this last game this past weekend, G2 did win. BDS had the great early game, but I think G2 will win this one 2-1. And then in the upper bracket, that'll also go G2 because I'm a G2 fanboy. Yep, I agree with Mad versus Astralis. That should be a quick 2-0. As much as I'd love to ramble about BDS winning versus G2, we're in a little bit of a time crunch because we got to get to the LCS. But I will say, I got BDS taken down G2. I think that'll be a very tight series. And I think if there's going to be a reason why, it's going to be because of the bot lane. Hans and Mickey are great, but I'm going to say Crowning and LeBron pop off and take it with Sheo being a really good enabler in the jungle. And then when it comes to Mad versus BDS, as much as I'd love to, again, give BDS the credit and, and push them through as I've become a fan of theirs over the course of the split in this team, I just can't dismad that hard. You know, they're, they've been looking the best along with Vitality. I got to give them the benefit of the doubt in this matchup. So we're on to the LCS now after that lengthy discussion of the LEC. And I mean, it's, it's kind of deserving just because, you know, the LEC format is super, super hype and interesting. LCS, you're just doing your standard best of ones. And through two weeks, there's a couple of surprises, but like I said before at the start, it seems like week two is kind of starting to even things out. I'd say the one big surprise you could say is Dig being 0-4, but if you look at the schedule they play, it's pretty tough. The 0-4 start, you could say, is expected just based off of that. And then we're starting to see, like I said, some teams evening out. CLG's back to 2-2 two and two after their, their hot week one. They lost to C9 and Immortals. <laughs> Immortals this week. And then Team Liquid's uh, back at 2-2. Two and two. They're going to st hopefully start recovering. And then TSM lost both of their games this week as well. So what do you think of the LCS so far, especially uh, with those four teams that I mentioned there being? I think I agree with you in a lot of ways. FlyQuest, they've, that huge game between them and C9, they've pretty much proven that they're deserving, at least for the time being, of the top spot. Apart from that, yeah, Dignitas up at the bottom isn't quite where I was expecting them to be, but maybe they'll bring it back over the next couple days. And then CLG in the middle, Team Liquid, probably the one team that I disagree with the placement, at least since I've been sort of hype on them. And then everything else is sort of panning out the way we were expecting. So nothing too spicy as of yet. So that's the standings. Again, depending on what you think, some of it's crazy, some of it's not. FlyQuest at the top, not a surprise like we expected going into it. 100 Thieves, good on them for being 3-1 along with C9 and EG rounding out that top half of the standings. And then the one kind of surprise maybe is, is Dig being 0-4 despite their tough schedule. So we'll go very quickly into our MVPs and LVPs because we are kind of running a little bit long for what we'd like to do. My MVP was Tenacity, more so just for the fact that, you know, 100 Thieves obviously played really well. They had a really easy schedule. Maybe there's some better picks. Like I think Vikla could probably be a pretty good pick for MVP as well with how he had uh, played, especially in the C9 game. But I'm giving it to Tenacity just because it was something I was talking about in the preseason discussion with 100 Thieves was that is he going to be kind of on tank duty for certain points of the season or at all during the season? Are they going to have him just kind of play 1v1 weak side on the carries and just kind of, you know, this is what you do, hold your own. He didn't die at all week two playing Orn and Cassante. He's had some kind of funny clips on him from Academy playing Orn last year. I think it was maybe it was two years ago that 
didn't show off his brightest side, but he played a solid enough Orn game, which is fine for those LCS. You can you can do that if you're a pro player. And then the Cassante game, he was able to show off a little bit more and he had a slightly more involved scoreline, I think. But it, it was good to see him play well on those tanks. Again, like I said, not dying at all. You know, it was versus Dake. It was versus TSM. But good on you, Tenacity, for showing that you can at least play those tanks uh, when you need to. And do, that's definitely something he's going to have to do to become a more well-rounded player. Yeah, definitely big respect to him. Been hyped up coming up from Academy, and he's solidified himself as a deserving player here in the LCS now. But my MVP, coincidentally, also on 100 Thieves, since I think they've had a very good week this week, is Doublelift. Yes, he played the Zeri both times, but... This is kind of what people were expecting having him come back into the league, where when he retired, he didn't have the chance to pop off on Zeri. And this is a champ that really fits his play style, I think. So really huge pop-off games where on the Thursday game against Dignitas, he almost got a pentakill, which was super impressive. 100 Thieves as a whole didn't necessarily even play around him, I felt like, all of those two games. But he was the first to noticeably pull ahead on the team. And then he, he, I feel like he just had really good awareness in his lane phase, a couple of ganks that he cleanly avoided. And then in team fights as well, he positioned super great, staying safe at the start and then leading the charge by dashing over a wall and right into the enemy team and kind of killing off the stragglers. So ignoring the fact that he was the only person to die against TSM, I think he had a really solid performance and that's why I nominate him. Hundred, like I said, hundred thieves had the easier schedule, but they dominated. So you gotta, you gotta praise them for dominating the teams that they should, because some teams can't dominate those teams like CLG against Immortals. Anyways, CLG's finishing eighth, and then my LVP was Diplex, and again, like probably same kind of thing with Tenacity. Maybe there's you know a better pick that could be a bit more deserving for for the LVP, but I went with Diplex because as a C9 fan, I watched both those games for sure, and I watched them close more closely than the others. Diplex in the CLG game, you know, for, for the most part, like not literally the entire game, but I'd say like a solid, I felt like 80% of the game could not land a skill shot. He he couldn't land charms. He was missing orbs of deception at close range on the Ari. Like my, my, my notes on him was like, okay, he did fine. And then at one point, I literally just wrote down in all caps, Diplex land a skill shot challenge impossible. It, it was rough to watch uh, in that game from him, even though Stan ended up crushing uh, CLG. And the FlyQuest game, it wasn't too bad. They had that one early 2v2 with Blabber that it looked like there was just kind of a weird interaction with him on the Akali. Like he, I think he was trying to E over the wall back onto Vikla and like it didn't put him through the wall all the way. So he was on the wrong side of it and instead of ulting to get the damage on him and maybe killing Vikla, he just ulted over the wall and it didn't get to hit him and then they ended up losing that 2v2 for the first blood and it kind of just snowballed the rest of the game from there so that like wasn't really too much on him i don't think it looked like kind of weird those are the, the games that i got to watch really closely and i wanted to try to you know take advantage of you know seeing a player on a on a good team that is kind of struggling a little bit you know and that was one of the things that c9 was talking about with diplex that his laning phase is going to be a bit weak and even in the first week he had some rough lanes uh 1v1 uh where blabber wasn't really trying to help him out a lot so there's definitely a lot of room for him to grow, and I don't want to be too hard on him because he is a rookie to the LCS. This is a big stage for him coming from the ERLs, playing against some of these great players, especially like Vikla. So I'm sure he'll have some time to adapt and improve, but 
maybe I'm being a little bit hard on him. He was my LVP for this week. Can agree with you that probably out of the C9 roster, he's perhaps the weakest performer so far, but kind of as you alluded to, I, I want to give him the time to ramp up and I want to see him succeed. So credit at least for giving the attempt, but definitely a good choice. And then for my LVP pick, a former C9 player here, I'm going to nominate Licorice. In Golden Guardians vs. TL, he got gapped so hard that Summit was up 3k gold after lane phase. This Licorice guy, he was even lower than his own support. To his credit, the support was Caitlyn, so maybe not fair, but come on, you're the second lowest gold in the game. That's that's kind of sad. Of all people to do this up against, how are you losing this hard to Summit? This guy is coin flip and crazy and a lunatic and unbelievable to me that this happened. Comparing him to the rest of Golden Guardians, I think that they were actually playing pretty decent, staying at least on par or perhaps even ahead in their individual matchups. Licorice is sort of the guy that made it all come tumbling down. So especially considering that this was against Summit, he just has to be my pick. Yeah, and obviously Summit is still a guy who has, like, you know, good mechanics. He's still, like, that's not going to change with him even if his decision making's bad. So I, I didn't get to watch that game in full, so that just might have been a game where either there was a lot of jungle help or, you know, like Summit mechanically is probably just stomping on Licorice anyways. So I, I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm surprised that it got that bad. But like if you told me like Summit just dumps it on licorice and lands, like, oh, okay. You know, but that 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 stood out. Just like I'm gonna run it back to the LDC real quick. That that Jack Spectra Draven game, I forget who they were playing against, was up like ten thousand gold at the end of the game. That was nuts. We'll segue I wanna segue your Golden Guardians little positivity talk there into my best game of the week, which was Golden Guardians versus FlyQuest on day one. And before I even talk about the game really quick, I want to go on a brief, brief rant, because again, I know we're running a little long, but Prince has been taking Ignite on the ADC in the past couple of games, and Winsome has been taking Heal or Exhaust or whatever in the support role, and I think I saw in a couple of games in the LEC as well. I love that, because it makes sense just from like a little you know, micro advantage point where it's like, you know, if you want the Ignite ticking down, and you want the that to you know maybe finish off the last kill on a, on a trade or something like that you would want that to go to the adc not the support most of the time right you want that guy to get snowballing and get that extra gold from the kill rather than the assist so obviously for whatever reason it's been adc's taking heal for, for so long now i like seeing that little bit of a wrinkle with uh prince and then i i forget who did in the lec but i know i saw it once or twice in the lec um, they're taking Ignite on the AD carries as well now. I don't know how it is in LPL or LCK too much, but shout out to Prince for the Ignite on the ADC and then Winsome taking the supportive uh, Summoner. So I think that's a nice little optimization there. But that game was a really fun game. As you mentioned, like Golden Guardians played really well, you know, for for like decent parts of, of their games. Gory, I thought, was pretty nice on, on his debut here in the LCS. He was uh, going to be one of my honorable mentions for our best play award, which we're not going to be able to get to. But he had a really nice play in a top dive where FlyQuest was starting the dive. And then it was kind of going FlyQuest's way. But Gory gets a nice TP in and it's a really nice Sharima shuffle off to kind of turn the fight back in Golden Guardians' favor in a, in a three for two. And what was looking like it could have been just like a straight two for zero dive in favor of FlyQuest. And that, that was a nice play to kind of keep the team in it and grounded before eventually, you know, FlyQuest took over FlyQuest uh, dragon control and the objective control in general was really nice they were able to kind of force golden guardians on the wrong side of the map later on into the game just based off of their positioning and they capitalized on that into a free baron and once they got that free baron they're just 
the better enough team to be able to snowball it from there. But it was a nice game for, I think I wrote it down, it was like about maybe almost around 30 minutes. It was like a pretty decent game uh, from Golden Guardians. That was fun to see a nice uh, competitive showing from them with Gori coming in. Coincidentally as well, my best game for the week was FlyQuest versus Cloud9, which maybe you're going to hate me for because Cloud9 lost, of course, but... I think to me, the reason that game stood out so much is this is the game for me where they showed the world that they're, for the time being, the number one in the LCS, where at any point in time, FlyQuest were just attacking on at least two fronts. So early on, Impact gets a nasty Cassante outplay onto Fudge's Fiora, gets the solo kill under top tower. This is happening, Spica takes a dragon, and while that's happening, Prince and Winsome take the bot tier one turret. That's one really good play where they're winning on all facets of the map. Later on, Vikla catches Ven in the jungle, while Impact almost so solos Fudge bot, while the rest of the team takes a 20-minute Baron. Again, lots of plays going on at the same time in the winnable. And then at 27 minutes, Fly was very patiently, they stopped hitting the Baron at 3,000 health, which is something that I don't see a lot of teams doing. And then recognizing a potential burger flip, Vikla gets over the wall, uses the stolen Violet on Blabber to keep him there, and Spica immediately burst down the Baron and they secure it. So for me, this is just a very clinical demonstration where FlyQuest is, despite perhaps a language barrier, which is possibly an issue, they're playing really well in terms of synergy. They're on the same page. They're making counter map plays across the map. And it was just a, a great example of what good League of Legends looks like to me. And to Cloud9's credit, they they're still a very good second place team and they had their bright spots in this game so it was just high quality league of legends for me yeah no that was the worst game of the week i don't know why you thought that was the best game um <laughs> oh thank you once again stephen blue for the amazing show it's been quite too long it's me jurgen i escaped the fiery wrath of the shadow isles but don't worry about me. I'm currently enjoying my vacation on the beautiful Gelato Beach situated right here on Isle Delfino. And don't worry, I'm not vacationing alone. I actually just got here a bit early. Fnatic and XL are on the way right now. But you know what's not on vacation? Steve and Blue's insatiable appetite for Western League of Legends. And the best part is, you don't even have to move an inch to keep it coming. Just make sure to follow us on Spotify, follow us on Twitter at NoRival underscore esports to keep up with all the new happenings with NoRival. And we would like to thank you all once again for listening. Have a great night.